Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, as we open up your word today, as we celebrate the amazing gift of your son, God, through your Holy Spirit working in us today, would you draw us just a little bit closer to you? Would you help us to experience a little bit more of the amazing gift that you were bringing to this earth in Jesus? Help us to experience the hope, the peace, the joy, the love that is your Son. God, thank you for how you're working in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, it is a wonderful, wonderful wet Christmas Eve, isn't it? It is. Showers of blessings. It's absolutely wonderful. There's no white stuff on the ground. It's not, not below freezing, so I'm enjoying it. But it doesn't quite feel like a normal Christmas, does it? At least for me. The few times I've been here in South Dakota now, it's always at least cold and fairly, fairly white out. But it, it's, it doesn't quite feel like a traditional Christmas. I don't know what your traditions are for Christmas besides snow on Christmas Eve, but uh, how many of you have a tradition in your family of Christmas movies around this time of year? Anybody? Right? Anybody? A few of you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, something I've noticed about Christmas movies as we watch them this year is that a lot of them kind of have a really similar theme. Right? I'll show you that theme. Uh, for instance, what I think is the greatest Christmas movie of all time, it's got a, a protagonist Right, who, who comes home on Christmas Eve to try to reunite with estranged family, only to find a series of challenges and obstacles in his way that he must overcome. And by overcoming those obstacles, of course, he finds the true meaning of Christmas and understands at the end of the movie what's truly important in life. Do you guys know what movie I'm talking about? Obviously, I'm talking about Die Hard. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. But you see that theme throughout so many amazing Christmas films, like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, or Scrooge as he goes in the Christmas Carol on his adventures, or It's a Wonderful Life. There's so many themes that you see in Christmas movies of this understanding that there's a deeper meaning to Christmas, and after going on a journey to find it, when you do find it, it will change how you view the world. It ultimately will change your life. And I think this is a theme that Hollywood uses because they understand that all of us come into Christmas with this understanding that there must be something deeper. There, there must be something deeper than just presents and some celebration, maybe some good food. Ultimately, Christmas has a much deeper meaning to it when we understand that meaning and experience it in our lives. It will change everything. And so today I want to talk a little bit more about that. I want to talk about some people that went on a journey to find the meaning of Christmas, if you will. And, and I, I, before we get into that, though, I, I want to remind us of something, that as we come into Christmas, it's so easy for us to sometimes look at this day as just another holiday. And I think sometimes the reason why we struggle to really understand what Christmas is all about is because it was never meant to be a holiday, when the angel showed up to the shepherds, he didn't say, Behold, I bring tidings of great joy. Today there is a holiday coming. And if it falls on a weekday, you will get work off. And you'll get some presents. He says, I come to bring you tidings of great joy. Today 
in Bethlehem, there is born a Savior. Christmas was never meant to simply be a holiday. It was meant to be a holy day. When we understand what Christmas is all about, it'll truly not only be a day of holiness for, for what we're celebrating, but ultimately in our lives, Christ will bring a holiness to us. I've heard it said that nobody cares if you keep Christ in your Christmas. We often hear people fighting this time of year. We have to keep Christ in Christmas. We've got to say Merry Christmas. No one cares if you keep Christ in your Christmas if they cannot see Christ in the Christian. And the fact is that how we overcome that is by not just having this be a day that we celebrate, but ultimately the other 364 days having Christmas come in and change us. And so today I want to talk about Matthew chapter 2. It's a story we're all very familiar with. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. King Herod heard, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense. And they said, but wait, there's myrrh. And having one had been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, these wise men that we talk about are often displayed, in a sense, in the nativity scene. We know kind of from reading the story that they probably weren't in the nativity scene as it is in the, in the manger. But the reality is we don't know a lot about these men. There's a, there's a lot of things we don't know. We don't know what country they were from. We know they were from the east. We know it was a long journey. We don't actually know how many of them there actually were. We just know there were three presents. So generally we assume three wise men. We, we also don't know necessarily when they came. We know that it was far enough along that they had moved from a manger to a house. We know that Jesus was old enough that King Herod decided later on to kill every child two years old and younger. So we're not actually sure, though, how old was Jesus in this moment? How far along was it? There's a lot of things we don't know, but what we do know is that they definitely weren't Jewish. They definitely weren't the people that you'd expect to come and worship the risen Savior, the King of the Jews. They weren't from, they were from far away is one thing we know. We know that they were men of science and wisdom and who studied the stars. We also know that they were men who feared God and were willing to go to great lengths to experience this thing that had happened, this Savior that had been born. And so today I, I want to 
talk about a couple things that the wise men did that I think are so important for us. If we're going to truly have Christmas be something that changes us, not just be a holiday to be it, but be a holy, a holy day for us. There's a couple of things they did that I think are so incredibly important. The first thing is that they sought. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, asking, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These Magi were people who came and they sought out Jesus when no one else was seeking him. Suddenly they show up, willing to go on this long journey. And the thing is, I think in the same way in our life, there's a lot of people who would like to experience Jesus, or they'd like to experience the things that Jesus promises, life and life to the full, love, peace, joy, hope, but they're not willing to seek it. See, what I have found in my life is that a genuine seeker is someone who's always looking around. Always observant. I mean, the, these guys were studying the stars. Other people were looking at the stars at that time. But they're the ones who looked. And the Sesame Street song played. One of these things just doesn't belong here. One of these things just isn't the same. And they see this star in the sky. And while other people missed it, they didn't. Because the reality is a lot of people probably looked at the sky but weren't actually looking, weren't actually seeking something, didn't have their eyes open. How many of you have had that moment with your spouse, a parent, a child, where somebody says, I can't find it, it's not there, and then a loved one comes and suddenly, I think my wife just pulls it out of her pocket and slips it there, but there's that moment where they come up, there's no ketchup, I looked. Did you look in the door? Yes, it's on the door. And they come up and they go, you mean this ketchup? <sighs> because we're not looking, right? Our eyes aren't open or we're looking past something or we're looking but we're not actually seeing. A genuine seeker is someone who keeps watch. Bible says in Matthew 24, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. In the same way that the Magi were looking, are we actually looking and watching and seeing what God is doing, how God is moving in the world around us right now? Because someone who's really seeking will be looking, but also someone who's genuinely seeking for God to do something in their life, they're going to be someone who asks questions. How many of you have had a moment where you've gotten into a situation and you kind of wished you'd ask better questions before you got into it? Like, the fact is, great questions start back here. They're not always in the moment. Like, like for instance, the, the wise men show up and they start asking questions. Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? But the reality is that wasn't their first question, was it? They began questioning and asking questions of, of what was going on long before that moment. And in the same way, Great questions start well in advance. Great questions are often what lead us to great answers. It's when we start asking questions of things that we get to better conclusions in our life. It was Plato that said the unexamined life is not worth living. Fact is, in our life, so, so many people 
God wants to do something in their life, but there, there's so many that are just living their lives without asking questions. Like, why do I do this? Why do I have this habit in my life? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I hang out with the people that I hang out with? Why do I make the decisions that I make? Why do I keep having the same bad results in my life over and over and over again? Sometimes to get the right answer in our life, we have to be asking the right questions. And in the same way, 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul writes, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We should always be asking questions of ourselves. What do we believe? What is our life and our doctrine showing in our life? What is the fruit that's coming out of our life? What's the most important thing in our life? If we're genuinely seeking, we'll ask questions. We'll be looking around. But a genuine seeker is also someone who will do whatever it takes to find the answers. I mean, these guys are many, many miles away. And they decide they're willing to travel thousands of miles to figure out what's going on. They don't fully understand what's happening, but they do know something is happening and they're willing to go thousands of miles. And here's the crazy part to me. They travel thousands of miles. They show up in Jerusalem. It says that all of Jerusalem was in a stir. So everyone knows, so you have the teachers of the law that get involved with this because they start giving their input. And they even agree, yes, yes, he'll be born in Bethlehem. And you got these guys that show up and have traveled thousands of miles and they say, we're going to go to Bethlehem because we think the king of the Jews, the Savior, the Messiah is here. And they went alone. No one came with them. I mean, it's only like six miles and no one could go, ah, you know, maybe we'll just tag along, see what's going on. What's the worst thing that could happen? These men were willing, while no one else was, to go, to follow a star. That's when they pinned that great song, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are. But see, what's so great about the wise men is they didn't just wander, or they didn't just wonder, they actually went. And so often in our life, sometimes God will be doing something. We're like, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if God's promises are true. I wonder if God has something more for me. I wonder if he has a plan for my life. I wonder if he has a purpose. I wonder if he actually loves me. I wonder if he could ever forgive someone like me. Sometimes we spend so much time just wondering instead of going to him. Seeking him and allowing him to work in us. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. It takes our, all of our hearts being laid before him. Because when we just do it half-heartedly, we're not willing to go and put effort into it. We're kind of like the guy who said, was playing baseball one day and said, I wondered why that ball was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. We spend all of our time wondering and not doing anything about it. fact is, I've had many moments in my life where I go in and somebody says, oh yeah, this is broken. I'm like, oh yeah, I wondered why I did that. Didn't do anything about it. 
people who are truly seeking, who are truly are willing to seek God with all their heart, are people who are willing to put the first things first in their life. They're, they're the people who are, are willing to go and put the effort in to find the answers. And when we do, we'll realize that there's a God who desperately loves us. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3, there's a moment where Peter is speaking, and he even says, he's talking after Jesus has risen from the dead, he's talking to the church, and there's people in the church that are like, okay, it's great, we, we got our Messiah, he's in heaven now, like, let's go home. Why isn't Jesus returned yet? It's getting pretty bad, I'm ready. Beat me up, Scotty. And Peter writes this first. He says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We serve a God that still puts stars in the sky today. We serve a God that still does signs and wonders. We still, still serve a God that desperately wants each and every person to know him, wants you to have a relationship with him. If you'll seek him with all your heart, are we willing to seek? Finally, the, the, these wise men come. They, they seek out the star. They're willing to travel thousands of miles. And they do something interesting. They, they surrender. It, it says when they come to the house, they see the child and his mother, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. And they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Sometimes we think of this as them giving gifts, but maybe this was more like they're surrendering their treasures. It's an interesting posture, isn't it, for these men of stature, these men who obviously have some level of wealth to come and kneel before a child? Especially, I, I think about if Jesus was a little bit older, because he might have been closer to one or two. He's a toddler, not just some infant wrapped in clothes. I mean, they go and they kneel before a child. Toddler with junk on his face and boogers in his nose, maybe. This doesn't make any sense. But see, these wise men understood that there was something more happening here. They understood this posture doesn't make sense to the world, but the fact is, the Bible says that I use the foolish things of this world and I make the wise things of this world look foolish. The fact is, we serve a God that says you must come and you must kneel. If you want to be first, you'll be last. But so often we don't like this posture of kneeling, of bringing our treasures and putting them before a king. We want to negotiate. We want to come to God and say, okay, God, well, I'll bring this and I'll bring this. But God, I, I, I can't give you this part. Or God, well, you know, if I just give you this much, is that okay? But Jesus said in Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be? For someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. Or what can get anyone give in exchange for their soul? These wise men were willing to surrender everything. They sought out Jesus. They surrendered and finally they savored. 
They worshiped. It says that they, one, they came to the house. They were overjoyed. They bowed down and they worshiped God. They were excited. They realized that something was happening in this moment that was going to change everything. They were overjoyed. They were rejoicing. And I think it's because they understood that something had been missing in their life. Every person that, uh, that the Holy Spirit was working in to understand who Jesus was, every time that they get around Jesus, if you look in his early years, they freak out. They're excited. They're so happy. They're, they're rejoicing because they understand that something that was missing in the world, a Savior, a bridge between God and man, an atonement for our sins, the Holy Lamb is here. I don't know if you ever had that moment in your life where something's been missing and then you find it. Like, like a phone or keys or, can we just be honest here, a child? Anyone else? <laughs> I've had that moment with both my kids where they're supposed to be here and then they're not and I'm not worried about it because they're probably over here and then I check over there and over there and then over there and it gets to a point where I'm out of places to check and, and I've, I've had that moment where you're just about to panic. Like, I don't know where else to look. And then someone says, hey, I found him. <sighs> what I found is whenever I find my children in that moment, too, they're never scared. They're always super happy. They're always like, Daddy! And so it's a joyful moment. Come here! I found you! In the same way, Jesus used an, an example of this. In Luke 15, he says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Would she not light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she does, she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. What I have come to understand about Christmas is that we won't really experience the joy of Christmas until we understand the joylessness of not having Jesus. So many of us, we come into Christmas and Jesus is just another thing. But when we come in and truly experience him, taste and see that the Lord is good, we realize that there is something missing in our lives before. And that's a reason to rejoice, to celebrate. Sometimes I think we struggle to worship God fully because I don't think we completely understand how amazing he is. We do the things, we go to church, we do the prayers, but we, don't, we haven't actually experienced a relationship with him that changes everything. We haven't savored that moment of friendship with him and allowed him to work in us in a way that changes us. Instead, we just go and we do our, our few things, we check in, and then we move on. It says the wise men that they had been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but they returned to their country by another route. When I think of that, I, 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 there's a couple of versions that say they, they left, or they, they went by a different way, they, they left differently. And I think that's kind of a twofold thing. I think in one sense they left by they went by a different route, but I think they left different too. I don't think they just went away after that and went back to the rest of their lives after that long journey. 
there was something changed in them. And in the same way for us, as we seek God and follow him and draw closer to him this Christmas season, I pray that we don't just go back the same way we came before, but that we leave a little bit different. That we leave understanding a little bit more how amazing and incredible this gift of Jesus is. See, we, we, we celebrate Jesus in the manger, but we can't celebrate Jesus in the manger without understanding Jesus on the cross. The fact is, Christmas is all about the fact that God saw you in the midst of your pain, your sadness, your depression, your sin, your, your lack of relationship with God. And he said, I love them so much, I'm going to send down my son to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to go through all the crap they have to go through and do it perfectly to be an example to them. And then that same son is going to go and take every single sin, every single ounce of wrath that they deserve, and he's going to take it on himself on the cross, and he's going to feel every single second of it, every single second of the pain that I should feel for all the moments that I've messed up in my life, all the moments I've mistreated people, all the moments that I've been a bad person or just... Not a good enough person. Every single thing that I've messed up in my life, every single moment, he takes it on the cross. And that's pretty good news in and of itself. But then it says that he was buried and he rose in three days. And now we have an advocate. We have Jesus at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that that we overcome anything in our life by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That at that moment of us coming before the Father, it's Jesus going, yeah, they're with me. Yep, 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 yeah, they're with me. It's my blood that made them holy. It's my blood that allowed them to have a relationship with you. And now the Bible says we can come boldly before his throne. That his Holy Spirit will live in us and work in us. That's the good news of Christmas. And so today, I'd love for you to bow your heads today, and I, I want to invite you. If you're someone who has done the Christmas thing for a lot of years, or maybe you never have, but if you felt like something is missing in your life, like there's all this talk of Jesus, but you've never had that moment to say, I'm going to make you Lord. You never allowed Jesus to have everything, never started a relationship with him. I just want to invite you to join me today in a prayer. And if that's you today, I'd love for you just to raise your hand as an act of surrender towards God, as an act of agreement with me as we pray this. Father, we are in desperate need of a Savior. Thank you for sending your son down on Christmas. And God, today, as you work in us, we give you everything. God, we give you all our sins, all our screw-ups, everything that we've done wrong. We give it to you right now, and we thank you for the forgiveness that we receive through your Son. And God, today, we want to make you Lord of our lives. Come in, you rule, you reign, do things your way. God, it's all yours. Amen. And for the rest of our church today, I, I just pray that you would, God, you would work, you would move in us, you'd give us a spirit of joy.
of celebration that we truly walk away from today, celebrating Jesus. God, you are so awesome and amazing and incredible. Merry Christmas. Amen.